Old powers waken, shadows stir. An age of wonder and terror will soon be upon us. An age for gods and heroes. The glass candles are burning, and you're listening to the Obsidian Knights Podcast. Hello, my sweet summer children. I'm back with the juice to get you through the long night. In today's episode of the Obsidian Knights podcast, I will be covering Tyrion 3 with the Hand of the Queen, my Discord moderator, Tubi. Hey, girl, would you like to let the people know where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Nim's Shadow. You can join the Discord fam, and I am Tubi, Hand of the Queen there. And uh, that's it. Come, come looking for me. <laughs> Well, let's get into the juice. So today we're back at the wall and Tyrion is going to be leaving soon. He's getting ready. He's preparing to leave the wall to go back south. So there's, it's not a long chapter, but there is a lot going on in my opinion. First of all, they were eating crabs from Eastwatch and crabs are like my favorite. So I was like, yes, crabs. Yes. (laughs) So, but I think like crabs aside, the most interesting dynamic of the chapter is the one between Lord Commander Gior Mormont, Maester Aemon, and Tyrion. Yes. But before we get into that, we need to talk about Sir Alistair Thorne. Oh, this crabby bitch. Yes, he is an he asshole. Does. He is. He I don't know what it is about him. But he's just super bitter. Like, he's just really bitter. And he takes all his anger out on, like, the people of the Night's Watch. (laughs) Like, he's just so mean to them. And then, like, we find out later in the chapter that, like, yeah, he's a master at art. Like, he's, like, the the guy that is in charge of training these boys to to learn how to fight and we find out later that they're at they've actually learned more from Jon Snow than they have from him from Maester or Alistair Thorne right because he doesn't he doesn't actually care he's just going through the motions yeah he's just there like he he doesn't have a choice but to be there so basically he fought for House Targaryen in the and Robert's Rebellion in the wars and because he fought for House Targaryen, Tywin Lannister basically was like, you can go to the wall or I can put your head on a right. spike. Right. You can, you can adorn my walls. <laughs> right. Either way, you're going to a wall. You pick right. which one. So he's very bitter that he's up there. He doesn't like Tyrion, of course. And right. Tyrion kind of like mocks him. Yeah, he throws shade. Yeah, major, major shade. (laughs) But I mean, it's kind of like he deserves it. He deserves to be treated like that because, first of all, he treats the Night's Watch recruits like shit. But he's like threatening Tyrion. Oh, Tyrion, like, like, come meet me outside with steel in your hand. Like, Tyrion is a, yeah, like, he's a dwarf. He's right. like he's like one he's quarter of your size. Like he's half of your size, and you want him right. to come. 
and someone even says like trying to trying to defend Alistair like oh no he's he's a funny guy you should hear the nicknames he gives and like they're obviously not meant in like good spirits these nicknames you know he's doing them like what was it Sir Piggy and calling John Lord Snow mocking his bastardry like that's not in good fun nicknaming and Tyrion replies oh you should hear some of the nicknames I'm sure they have some nicknames for him as well (laughs) I'm the same in the same light of we're not joking around you're an asshole yeah I mean he is an asshole and (laughs) he the thing about Sir Alistair Thorne that really bugs me out is that he is like unnecessarily cruel to Sam like later on basically the recruits of the night's watch have to like band together to protect sam because if it was up to alistair thorne he would just let sam die right yeah and and i always wondered is that because of the perceived weakness in sam or is there like some other like internal issues going on because sam's house also fought with uh on the targ side right yeah so and did any of them get sent to the wall i don't think so no so there could be some bitterness there too like our families fought together but i'm the one getting punished yeah um i mean i'm sure that he's bitter for that whole situation and i think that's a lot uh, probably has a part to play in why he like dislikes Tyrion, because it was Tyrion's father that sent him to the wall (laughs) Right, and so there's the whole the whole bloodline thing there too, and you know, blaming the son for the sins of the father. Yes, but even though I mean, Tyrion wasn't obviously didn't have any hand in that. He did wasn't a part of you know, Tyrion's decision there. And you know, Tyrion makes a good point. Like Tyrion tells uh, Gior Mormont, like you know, take the ice off your eyes, like. Alistair Thorne should be cleaning the stables and not turning the young boys into soldiers. And, you know, the Lord Commander's like, you know, well, he's a knight. He, he, but he sucks. And we learn right. that he sucks at Just his job. Just because he's a knight doesn't mean that he's, he's suitable to, you know, train the next generation of black brothers. Yeah, that's like that, nor- that's that northern way. Mm-hmm. that's that's like how they do it in the north um like following those uh knighthoods and lore and titles and things like that over like the value of an actual human like where stannis like i know um i'm not the biggest stannis fan i don't really have an issue with stannis but where like stannis finds value in like a person like davos like in the north they don't really roll like that at least in my opinion and like Daenerys she finds value in like uh Jorah Mormont or Jorah Mormont and um in the north that would be frowned upon like you find value in an exiled knight right a criminal in exile someone yeah an, an outcast but which is weird also because there are no knights in the north so why are they all like hot and bothered over these knights when they don't even have knights I have no idea. <laughs> it I makes it makes absolutely no sense because that's true. In the north, they worship the old gods, so there are no knights. Knights are followers of the faith of the seven. Right. Yeah. 
So, so like, why are they like all, you know, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He's just like, oh, well, he fought bravely at King's Landing. And they're like, yeah, on the wrong side. Right. It's, yeah. I don't, I don't understand the, uh, the Alistair love there either. <laughs> no, I don't get it. Alistair feels like, or Gior Mormont feels like maybe Tyrion is just mocking all of them and their cause. Like he doesn't really believe it. He doesn't believe in grumpkins and and snarks and all of that stuff. Um, and we get to talk. We get to hear from Maester Aemon. So Maester Aemon says, "Oh, I think that Lord Tyrion is quite a large man." Maester Aemon said from the far end of the table. He spoke softly, yet the high officers of the Night's Watch all fell quiet, the, the better to hear what the ancient had to say. I think he is a giant come among us here at the end of the world. <laughs> and Tyrion's like, um, I've been called a lot of things, but giant is, was never one of them. Not yet, anyway. Yeah. And... We oh, go, go into it a little further. He is called giant so many times. So many times. One. And not even just giant. Like they talk about him casting this giant oh, shadow. I list, girl, I have a list going on right here. <laughs> <laughs> Read them off. Okay. So Eamon is the first one, right? And then Varys has this conversation about power casting a shadow on a wall, yet shadows can kill. And oft times, a very small man can cast a very large shadow. John, when he sees him at the wall, he opens the door, the light from within threw his shadow clear across the yard. And for just a moment, Tyrion Lannister stood as tall as a king. Yeah. Um, there's another one that I think personally, I and mean, then we have Shay, of course, giant of Lannister, like all the time. Makoro, mm -hmm. uh, uh, a small man with a big shadow. And then we have Melisandre, and she's talking to Sir Davos here, and she says, you're more ignorant than a child. There are no shadows in the dark. Shadows are the servants of light and children of fire. The brightest flames cast the darkest shadow. So these are all people talking about casting shadows. And then we have Quaith. Now, this is, this is a tinfoil moment here because it's just talking. It mentions a shadow. But her little, to go north, you must journey south. To reach the west, you must go east, right? To go forward, you got to go back. Mm -hmm. But to touch the light, you must pass beneath the shadow. And who else gets talked about having a huge shadow but Tyrion? So Tyrion. passing beneath the shadow could be Danny having to learn to accept and use Tyrion's counsel. Yeah. Oh, she's, I really definitely believe they're going to link up. <laughs> like well, there, I feel that, like there's no other way. That passing beneath the shadow could be like going under Tyrion's, uh, under Tyrion's counsel. Yeah. I mean, that, that could totally be, I always thought passing beneath the shadow was related to Drogon. But it does make sense for it to be Tyrion. And one thing about Tyrion and his shadow is Tyrion being a giant. Like at the end of A Song of Ice and Fire, when we look back on it, we're probably going to wonder, like if you look at each character, like Sansa, Tyrion, Arya, Jon, Danny, you're going to wonder like, you know, who who had this big effect on the story? Who's legacy shadow 
has is still hanging over this story. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Tyrion is going to be a big one. Like Tyrion's right. handprints and fingerprints are gonna be yeah. all gonna be over everything. everything. Yeah. They're gonna be everywhere. But the the one other thing that I was thinking of was part of Bran's coma dream. It says, he looked south and saw the great blue-green rush of the trident. He saw his father pleading with the king, his face, his face etched with grief. He saw Sansa crying herself to sleep at night. He saw Arya watching in silence and holding her secrets hard in her heart. There were shadows all around them. One shadow was dark as ash with the terrible face of a hound. Another was armored like the sun, golden and beautiful. Over them both loomed a giant in armor made of stone. But when he opened his visor, there was nothing inside but darkness, thick, and thick black blood. So a giant made of stone. You think that could be Tyrion? Well, think about when Tyrion's going down the Rhoyne. What does he see under the water? Stone men. A giant made of stone. Mm. And Tyrion I don't think that's ever, I don't think that's ever been, ever. I've never heard that anybody relate that to Tyrion. Here y'all go again. With, your br- with the bride <laughs> I kiss. Either, I, was, I was just reading Tyrion's um his Rhine chapter and that giant made of stone freaked me out so much the first time I read it I was like okay if I saw a hand coming up out of the fucking water I would shit my pants that was <laughs> scary right so yes then we're talking about Tyrion and giants and Tyrion and giants and I'm like but he just saw a giant made of stone and then oh my god Bran saw a giant made of stone mm-hmm it's all like so it could be Tyrion I mean a lot of people think it's the mountain and I talked about this in um the Brand's Coma Dream episode of Obsidian Nights that a lot of people think Mm -hmm. it's the mountain but the mountain is never around Sansa and Arya and those shadows are looming over them but Tyrion is so Tyrion is around Sansa Mm -hmm. so it could be Tyrion and that would be interesting. That like that brings in a whole new dynamic of what could be going on. Yeah. And see, by the time Bran is doing anything of significance, the mountain is already like a science experiment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's, he's getting hacked to pieces by <laughs> in, the, uh, in the black cells or wherever he's doing his creepy experiments. But And Tyrion does turn like the black blood. It could be that Tyrion does turn dark Mm -hmm. like he doesn't start off as dark as he is in a dance with dragons and a dance with dragons he's like he's a disturbed that threw me the black blood part is because that's something normally associated with fire whites Mm -hmm. which could be what robert strong is maybe maybe (laughs) maybe frankenstein and then, of course, there's the simple explanation that Eamon just sees Tyrion for who he is inside, obviously, because he can't see who he is on the outside. So he right. sees past that that imp persona to this enormously intelligent and ambitious and influential person who who does stand huge among, you know, the the other people of the court because he is the son of the wealthiest man and his brother's, you know, King's guard and his sister's married to the king and like he's he's high up there on the totem pole. So he's he's got a lot of power. He has a lot of pull. 
And that also kind of ties in with like how everyone else is kind of kissing Tyrion's ass. Mm-hmm. Like they're all like yucking it up at all of his jokes and they're, you know, laughing at, at Alistair Thorne with him because they're they're buttering him up. You know, they they want him to help them out, obviously, because again, he's powerful. Now yes. I don't I don't think Eamon was buttering him up because that doesn't seem like his Yeah. It's like out, that would like be out of character for him. Like right, exactly. That's not that's not who he is. But I think that he he really saw him for for what he was, even though, you know, his father was responsible for a big portion of his family going away. Yes. Which yes. which brings in another layer. <laughs> because but yes. Maester Eamon is like solid. Maester Eamon is a solid maester. Like yes. he's holding true to his vows. Yes. And like you I love Maester Eamon. Like every time I think about Daenerys going to Westeros and not getting to meet Maester Eamon, oh, not Damon. getting to get counsel Ooh. from Maester Eamon. Uh, it breaks my heart. Clueless John got got to meet him and got yes. to meet him. But yes. It's so sad. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts still. <laughs> But um, so Tyrion wants to leave, and uh, Commander Mormont is like, "I'm gonna send up up some men with you to guard you because the King's Road can be dangerous." And um, Tyrion's like, "Well, maybe send Jon Snow." And Mormont's like, "No, um, he needs to stay here because." And I agree with that. Like, if you're if you're going to like give up your life. Yeah, you gotta cut the cord. Yeah, you can't send him back home, right? Before he's completed basic training, his family and his little brothers, and oh, how much he misses them, and it'll just it'll hurt more. Is what do they call that? A a clean break? Yeah, clean break. break Yes, he knows what he's doing. He's been Lord Commander long enough. Yeah, he definitely knows what he's doing. And he knows what he's doing in this moment because he's not just sending Tyrion (laughs) with these men just because he likes Tyrion. He wants a favor from Tyrion. And Tyrion calls him out on that. He goes, oh, if only I could repay you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And Lord Borba's like, you can, as a matter of fact. Yeah, he gets gets real blunt with it. Yeah, Yeah, you can. Here's what you can do for me. So he says, your sister sits beside the king, your brother is a great knight, and your father the most powerful lord in the seven kingdoms. Speak to them for us. Tell them of our need here. You have seen for yourself, my lord. The Night's Watch is dying. Our strength is less than a thousand now. Six hundred here, two hundred in the Shadow Tower, even fewer at East Watch, and a scant third of those fighting men. The wall is a hundred leagues long. Think on that. Should an attack come, I have three men to defend each mile of the wall. Three and a third, Tyrion said with a yawn. So Tyrion, Tyrion doesn't give a fuck <laughs> like about any of this. He's such a smart ass. Yeah. Like even with the people that he's like supposedly likes and people that like get along with him, he's such a smart ass. Yeah, I think it's like he has this persona like these walls kind of built around him like kind of like what he tells john like he tells john oh yeah where where does your armor 
Yeah. Where, um, remember what, who you are, wear it as armor. And I feel like that's what he does with his humor. Like he Absolutely. jokes everyone around him. So he isn't the joke. Right. Exactly. And I think that a lot of that comes from what a total dick his father was because he he got to be the the fun jokey learning how to tumble with his uncle and you know he his father snapped him out of that real quick Mm -hmm. and he threw at him no no Lannister will ever be a joke no Lannister will ever you know be a fool and that was his oh okay so I have to put up that wall here I can't be happy and have fun around my father and that just kind of carried on to every other relationship exactly like that's Tyrion yes that's exactly how he is and um so there's an issue that um Benjen Stark hasn't came back yet uh Lord Royce Waymore Royce has been missing and we find out like that lord royce or waymar royce like basically commanded that he be he get to go on this ranging this ranging that um because he's some highborn shit and he feels like he deserves it somehow yeah and um the raven mormont's raven is like fool (laughs) oh yes i made a I made a note about that so he says duel three times and fool twice the raven does Mm mm-hmm I always make notes about when the Raven talks because I feel like there's a, uh, a deeper oh, meaning to that. Oh, yeah, totally. Blood so, Raven, Bran, one fool of them. three times and fool twice. And I was thinking Tyrion's duels, there's the one in the Vale, and then there's the one with the Mountain, right? Mm-hmm. And then are we going to see a third one? Yeah, I think we will. I think we will too. And I think that that was the Raven telling us that he was going to be in, in three duels. Oh, that would be interesting. And then fool, someone making a fool out of him twice. What I got from that was um, Shay so far making a fool out of him in front of the court. And <laughs> it's probably <laughs> Cersei next. <laughs> right. And that was what I thought it was, was Cersei. Um, probably once he's, He's in um, in Marine with Danny or wherever they happen to link up. Um, that something something's gonna go down and, and he'll be made a fool of again, mm-hmm. or it'll be you know just subversion. and a trial, <laughs> yeah, right? And a trial, yeah. That's interesting. I actually buy that a hundred percent. That that's what it that the, the Raven. Raven is the Raven is talking ex, uh, explicitly. Yeah about Tyrion um they talk about the summer that never ends called the great summer and it says the lord commander did not seem amused you are not fool enough to believe that my lord already the days grow shorter there can be no mistake Aemon has had letters from the citadel's findings in accord with his own the end of summer stares us in the face Mormont reached out and clutched Tyrion tightly by the hand. You must make them understand. I tell you, my lord, the darkness is coming. There are wild things in the woods. 
direwolves and mammoths and snow bears the size of aurochs, and I have seen darker shapes in my dreams. In your dreams, Tyrion echoed, thinking how badly he needed another strong <laughs> thinking how badly he needed another strong drink. <laughs> so Tyrion is kind of like, listen, I don't care about like what you see in your dreams. But I find it interesting that Lord Mormont is seeing things in his dreams because we know like that's how Blood Raven or as I'll say we know that's how the great other communicates with people through their dreams right. per Melisandre. Right. So I thought that was interesting. But Tyrion does say, you know, like, I'll go down there. I'll tell them that um, winter is coming. And when the long night falls, only the night's watch will stand between <laughs> the realm and the darkness that sweeps from the north. And Tyrion does not buy into any of this shit. No, and he knows no one else will either. And it even says, he left the rest unsaid, that King Robert would ignore him. Tywin would ask if he had taken leave of his senses, and Jamie would only laugh. So he knows yeah. no one's going to take him seriously. Yeah. And I kind of respect that about Tyrion. Like, when I just did this, like, uh, big essay that I wrote about the art of war and um, the prince by Machiavelli and how George, how I feel George used that to shape Tyrion and Tywin's characters a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I respect one thing about Tyrion is he knows everybody's next move. He's a good player at the game of Thrones is because he knows the people around him. Like he takes the time to figure out who they are and he just doesn't act on assumptions. He doesn't assume that people will like, like Ned Stark, for example, Ned Stark assumes that these people around him are going to be honorable people. Tyrion, he finds out, he watches them. He observes them. He learns their behaviors. He becomes them. And he knows these people inside and out. That's why he knows Jamie's going to laugh. And that's a fact. Jamie would laugh at that. He knows Tywin's going to think he's crazy because Tywin would think he was crazy. And he knows right. that King Robert will ignore him. Because Robert ignored everything. <laughs> yeah. Like, it wasn't whores and turnies. That's, I mean, that's who, that's why Tyrion is such a good player at the Game of Thrones because he knows and understands people in a way that most people don't know and understand people. Right. And I think that's why him and John have such a good relationship. And we could talk about him and John's relationship because Tyrion um, goes up the wall. He wants to um, go up the wall and look out at everything and check, you know, the, the world one more time. Yeah. Check the scene <laughs> before he leaves because he'll never go up there. Well, like, the likelihood of him going back to the wall. Like it's probably a once in a lifetime trip. Right. And can I just say, there's a total mood moment when he's looking at that switchback stair going up 700 feet and he's like, no, <laughs> no, I'm not climbing up those stairs. Ring yeah. the bell. <laughs> yeah. Come um, pick me up in this little yeah. elevator. <laughs> I don't want to go up those stairs either, baby. I feel you. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Could be the elevator. So, um, he goes up and he sees John walking on the wall with Ghost. Um, and when he first sees John, 
he's like, he looks so much bigger to him. Mm-hmm. Did you realize that? Like, he's like, oh, he looks so much bigger under all those furs and stuff. But I think it's also like a met- in a metaphorical sense because John is kind of coming into his own person. He's mm-hmm. like kind of coming into a man up there. He's grown up a bit, yeah. Yeah. So um, it's freezing cold up there and John has to guard three miles of the wall. And actually this time when John, um, when he runs into John, he just like kind of speaks to Ghost and he's like, hello, Ghost. And like, this is the first time like Ghost isn't trying to rip his head off. Mm-hmm. So I could think that the easier that John has become with Tyrion, the easier Ghost has become with Tyrion. Yeah, the the link there is between Ghost and John is is really strong. As like you said, as as John becomes more comfortable with him, Ghost is kind of like, okay, I can chill. Yeah, and Ghost is already like up as high as Tyrion's chest, and Tyrion's like in an, in a year, he'll be even bigger. Like in a year, excuse me, in a year he'll be even higher than my chest like he'll be double the size i'll be looking up at him so ghost is gonna be huge like i want to see like the ghost that we saw on the game of thrones tv show i think ghost is even bigger than that like book ghost is even bigger than that oh but the the book wolves in general are like huge massive rideable (laughs) monstrous wolves like they're supposed to be like you said rideable they're gigantic like yes. I'm picturing something like the size of like a small horse. Yeah, like a pony maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Like a, a like a fair pony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Like his> right. <laughs> so, um we find out that Alistair Thorne has been like kind of arranging John to like draw these night watches so he'll fall asleep during morning drill and it ha- it's not working because John's like determined um and like I said earlier like we find out that it's John that's helping Pip and Gran and not Thorn he's like Thorn has never even shown him the proper way to grip a sword which right. Like how you're the commander, like you're the person in charge of making these men into fighters and you haven't even shown them how to hold a sword. Yeah. It just further proving how useless he is as a master at arms. Like just because you can do something doesn't mean you should teach it. Yes. There's a big difference between someone who is good at something and someone who is good at teaching others to do that thing. Yes. And he's definitely not the latter. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. So it says that, um, so Tyrion's basically like, I'm going to be going past Winterfell. Do you want me to, you know, give any messages to anybody? And John like tells him a few messages, like tell Rob to stick to the needlework or some some materials like you know I'm not gonna tell him that I don't want to deliver a message that's gonna get me killed and um <laughs> he asked Tyrion um he, he says I don't know what message to send to Bran help him Tyrion what help could I give him I am no maester to ease his pains I have no spells to give him back his legs you gave me help when I needed it Jon Snow said I gave you nothing, Tyrion said. Words. 
then give your words to brand too. So we, well, we already knew that Tyrion's words had helped John, like Tyrion telling John to, you know, wear being a bastard is armor. Don't let anyone use it against you. Remember what you are. The world will not forget what you are. And also Tyrion's honesty with like what John was signing up for was also another thing, you know, that, right. that kind of pushed that in the right direction. He was the only one that, that gave him any real counsel about what he was getting himself into. Everyone else was just like, yeah, sure. Go have fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, um, oh, sorry. And they shake hands, John and Tyrion shake hands and they call each other, um, friends. And I feel like their relationship um, is going to come back around again. I've talked about the John and uh, Tyrion relationship, but it, it is interesting to see how it's going to come back around. Like, is it going to be a friendly relationship? Is it going to be something more? Is there going to be some kind of betrayal there? Well, and like you said a little while ago, is Tyrion knows people and once he knows people he can predict how they're going to react so he knows john now enough to say friend you know so he has that not necessarily intimate knowing of him intimate in a sense of i i know you so deeply or so well but enough that he he knows the because he's a bastard. He's one of Tyrion's broken things, you know, yes. and Tyrion has that, that affinity, that affection for broken things, which is, I think, also why John would trust him to give some, some words of encouragement or, or comfort to, to Bran, is because Bran is now one of those broken things, and he knows Tyrion will be kind to him because of that, mm-hmm. but he knows John well enough to be able to say, okay, yeah, this is how he'll react, or this is what he'll do, or this will be his next move. Because, like you said, he knows him now, and he's nothing if not analytical. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he's totally an analytical person. Yeah. So, I, like, this quote gives me the chills. It says, as he stood there and looked at all the, as he stood there and looked at all that darkness with no fires burning anywhere, with the wind blowing and the cold like a spear in his guts, Tyrion Lannister felt as though he could almost believe the talk of the others, the enemy in the night. His jokes of grumpkins and snarks no longer seemed quite so droll. And it's one of those like techniques that Martin is doing. Like um, Cantus talked about it a little bit where you stare out into like there's this place and it's described as dark and they describe it as creepy and you don't know what's down there, but like he lets your own imagination go to work. And I feel like like that's what's going on with Tyrion. Like as he sits out there and looks into this vast darkness, like you can't see what's there. So yeah, it could be real. And And then there's a moment of that too, as he's going up in the, in the winch when he's looking out over South of the wall. And he talks about how the moonlight is shining on Castle Black and he can see how empty and deserted it looks and all the broken and run down and everything's crumbling. And then further on, I think he says like a league and a half, he can see Molestown and there's a couple of lights and there's, there's activity, there's things, there's people, there's signs of people. 
And then when he looks out north of the wall, like you said, it's just dark, black, nothingness. Yeah. It's and it's creepy. And empty and creepy. Yeah, exactly. It's- <laughs> yes. And John's like, you know, my uncle is out there. Like, John wants to go looking for him. And he's like, Ghost and I will go find him. He put his hand on the direwolf's head. Tyrion said, I believe you. But what he thought was, and who will go find you? And he shivered and the chapter ends. And it's like, who will go find John? <laughs> Nobody. John's going to have to find his way back to Castle Black on his own when he goes out to find Benjen with the rest of the Night's Watch. Right. Because Mormon just said, who can I send to find him? This guy got his head cut off by Ned Stark because he deserted. The other two are missing. Now Ben's missing. Who's going to go find him? I don't have enough people to, to even man the castle that I have. I can't send any more out. Yeah. <laughs> Tyrion, Tyrion echoes that same thought with, okay, cool, but then what? Like, you're going to find him, you're going to meet the same fate, and he's going to come find you. Yeah. I, I mean, it. this now chapter... <laughs> huh? Now we're all screwed. <laughs> right. We are all screwed. They are. Good thing we don't live in Westeros. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been dead in, like, the first four chapters. I know, right? <laughs> As soon as, like, Cersei got smart with me, I'd have slapped the shit out of her, and then she'd have me beheaded, so. (laughs) But, um, like, the thing with this chapter is that it sets up a lot in the future. Like, it sets up the others a little bit. It sets up the need of the Night's Watch for men and supplies. It sets up the dynamic between Tyrion and Alistair Thorne, because Alistair Thorne's going to come to King's Landing. Mm-hmm. While Tyrion's hand to the king. And then also <laughs> it sets up the dynamic between John and Tyrion, which has yep. been set up after chapter after chapter of John and Tyrion's chapters for like the past four chapters. Right. Just Alistair being a dick and John <laughs> kind of <laughs> kind of giving it back, but not really, just kind of grinning and bearing. Well, not even that. I wouldn't say grinning and bearing it, but kind of going behind his back and doing what needs to be done because Alistair isn't. Like you said, he's the one teaching Pip and Gren. He's the one teaching them how to hold a sword properly and teaching them how to spar properly because Alistair is just running drills and being abusive. Yes. So that's Tyrion 3. So did you have anything that you wanted to add that we didn't get to talk about? I think we covered Um, everything. I think we covered everything. Yeah, it's that not mean, a it's not a long chapter. No, it's a very short chapter, but a lot happens because because of Eamon, you know, and yeah. that that one little bit of targ tea that we get, which is nice. Yes, and like the so we have the like the giant setup, which is definitely foreshadowing, and then we have all these relationships that are being set up that will pay off because even though Tyrion's leaving the wall he's going to run back into all of these people again, except for Gior Mormont. Yeah. Let's pour some liquor out for Gior Mormont. <laughs> <laughs> Our old bear. Yeah, I really like Gior as a character. I think yeah. he's very pragmatic. I love he's him. Very, um, you know, like I said before, he's he's been Lord Commander long enough that he knows what he's doing. And because of that, he is good at what he does. I love him. I love Gior Mormont. Great character. Yeah, he's like, he he reminds me a lot of Davos, and I love Davos. 
<laughs> he does. Yeah, he's, he's just kind of that old comfy guy that that knows what he's talking about. Yeah, he's smart, but he's not like smart, smart. He's and like, not an asshole. Smart. Right, just a just a nice guy. <laughs> Want to make him a cup of tea? Yep. All right. Well, thank you for coming on this episode of Obsidian okay. Nights. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a blast. You're welcome. And thanks to everyone for listening. And I will see you next week. Oh.